Welcome to the audio sermons of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hope you are encouraged by listening. For more information, please feel free to browse our site at www.sbrpc.org. Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before him and ask for his help. Father, we do thank you again for another opportunity to sit beneath the reading and hearing and preaching of your word, and we pray that you would indeed be with us, that you would reveal to us the Lord Jesus whom you gave for us, that we might have life in him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start tonight with a very, very basic uh, physics lesson. Uh, You might remember this from junior high, or maybe it was high school, I can't remember, but... uh, Isaac Newton's first law of motion. Uh, That first law of motion is stated like this, that every object persists in its state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line unless it is compelled to change that state by forces impressed upon it. All right, very simple. This pulpit, this lectern, it's not going to move unless there's some kind of force impressed upon it. Me putting some force upon it. Um, And so that's the physics lesson. It's over and complete. Now moving into metaphysics, right, Um, for this lesson in Luke's gospel. See, Luke is telling us, and what we've been seeing for these past uh, few weeks is that Mary was changed. 
Zechariah was changed. And tonight we're hearing about these shepherds who were changed. And the story is really saying that all of these people were changed because someone from the outside came and compelled that change. Right? They were acted upon by the outside, from the outside, by God's initiating saving grace, and they were changed. They received a verdict, an announcement from the outside, good news from the outside. And after they heard that, nothing could stay the same. Everything was changed, and we're going to be changed too if we meet this one who came from the outside. So I just want us to touch on three brief points from this story, and then we're going to come to the Lord's table together. Um, So here they are. I want us to talk about the appearance of God's glory, the announcement of good news, and the activity that produced. First, the appearance of God's glory. So what happens when God's glory appears in this story? Verse 9 tells us, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Right, The light of God's glory appeared, and they were terrified. Right, Little kids will sometimes say that they're afraid of the dark, and that's totally legitimate. You say that, that can be very true. But the Bible says what we're all really afraid of what we're most afraid of, right, is the light, right? Not just this story, not just this story of the shepherds, but go back and read Moses' story. Read Israel's story at Sinai, right? Read Isaiah's story. Read Peter's story in the New Testament when he got a glimpse of, of Jesus' glory. When people see Jesus' glory in the Bible, right, they never say, wow, It's beautiful, and I'm so happy. But they always say, wow, he's so beautiful, and I want to die because I'm terrified. Why is that? Why does the appearance of God's glory produce fear and terror in the shepherds and in us if we admit it? Um, It's because when the light of God's glory comes, it it exposes and reveals our enmity with God, that we are at war with Him, right? That it, it exposes the ugliness of our sin. It reveals that we don't want Him interfering in our lives. We want to run our lives, right? Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You know, when John earlier was talking about the Christmas story in his gospel, this is what what he said. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Right, the Christmas story of God's appearing, it's begging this question from us. Have you admitted your darkness? Have you admitted that in the deepest parts of your being, you're at war with God, that you're angry with Him, that you're distrustful of Him, that you want nothing to do with Him? Have you admitted that? Because everyone in the Bible who caught a glimpse of God's glory was forced to their knees to admit that. 
Because the only way to be healed and set free is to come into the light of God's glory and admit that. You know, some of you know, in every 12-step program that I know of begins with that very famous first step, right? We admitted that we were powerless over sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, that our lives have become unmanageable. It's simple and genius. The only way to recovery, to freedom, to salvation is to quit hiding. It's to come out of denial, out of the dark, and into the light and admit the truth. That's the first step toward healing. There's a verdict that we love darkness, that we were at enmity with God, but God was breaking in from the outside to change us. So second, let's talk about the announcement of good news. So the apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that God called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So what turns the appearance of God's glory from something to be feared into something wonderful? It's this announcement of good news. Fear not, the angel said, verse 10. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Right? The good news of great joy was that a Savior who is Christ the Lord was born, verse 11. God had broken in from the outside to announce a verdict of peace upon those whom His favor rests or His grace rests. That's what verse 14 is saying. A verdict of peace spoken from the outside. An end to the hostility and enmity that we were talking about in the first point. You know, uh, Reformer Martin Luther wrote, Divinity may terrify man. Inexpressible majesty will crush him. Right? That's the natural response to the light of God's glory. And Luther goes on, though, to ask, are you afraid of God? He places before you a babe with whom you may take refuge. See, the announcement of, this announcement of good news was that the untouchable, unapproachable, infinite, immortal God had broken in from the outside and He had become touchable. He had become approachable. He had become vulnerable and mortal. Right? He took on flesh and was this vulnerable babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a manger, verse 7. I mean, this whole story is full of hints at how this upside-down king laid in a manger that we've talked about in previous weeks would make peace for us. Right? He wasn't born in some unapproachable palace, but in a dirty stable and placed in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. He was born in poverty, in obscurity, and in the hostile elements outside. You know, I'm not opposed to nativity scenes, so hear me clearly on that. Um, but I think with nativity scenes, we, we need to keep in mind that many of them are way too picturesque and serene and peaceful. Because Luke's point and the Bible's point is that Jesus' life began in brutality and harshness rejected and outcast from the very beginning. It began in weakness and suffering in an unsanitary, dirty, smelly stable. God had broken in from the outside. He had taken on flesh and vulnerability. Under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And our Savior 
is able to announce good news, a verdict of peace, because in coming vulnerable for us, He became killable for us. Right? To take the penalty we deserve for our darkness, our evil, our enmity with God. A Savior who is, the Christ, who is Christ the Lord was born, and He was born to die for you in order to pronounce a verdict of peace upon us. It's when you take this announcement of good news that that light that is feared becomes something wonderful. All right, last thing. Let's talk about the activity this announcement produced. So when the shepherds had seen Jesus, verse 17 tells us, they left and made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So shepherds, I'm sure many of you know, shepherds were, with the exception of lepers, the lowest class in Israel. Right? They were lowly, unclean, smelly, lots of other adjectives. But to them, the glory of the Lord had appeared. To them, this announcement of good news was made, and it changed them. And they went out and told others about Jesus. Now, be honest with this story. <laughs> this seems a little bit, um, a, li a little unfair. Lowly, unclean shepherds got a heavenly choir and the appearance of God's glory. But everyone else got lowly, smelly shepherds. Right? Naturally, I think we want angels, not shepherds. We want the spectacular, not the ordinary. Right? We want shock and awe, not common shepherds, a heavenly choir, not a book that we have to read and think about. Right? But this, this is the point. The power wasn't in the messenger, whether angel or shepherd, but in the message itself. Right? The shepherds didn't go out and tell everyone about their amazing experience that they had out in the field watching their flock. They went out and told them that God had broken into this world from the outside to reconcile His enemies to Himself through His Son and to pronounce a verdict of peace. And that's the message they were changed by. This verdict from the outside. Um, a lot of the time, I think, we try to change um, ourselves by producing verdicts on ourselves. And sometimes, I think we do it with shame. We look at ourselves and we say, what's wrong with you? You better change before anybody finds out because they would be so disappointed in you. Other times, I think we try to manufacture, you know, kind of a confident self-image to protect ourselves from guilt or criticism. You know, I don't really care what anyone thinks. The only thing that matters is what I think of me, and I'm fine. The problem is, it doesn't work. Right? It never worked to produce any kind of deep lasting change in your life. It never produced any freedom in your life because the only way to change, like shepherds becoming evangelist type change, like you loving the lost, like you growing in holiness, like you letting go of your bitterness and forgiving type of change, like you not being crushed by criticism anymore, 
Like you not just looking out for your own interests, but serving those around you type change. Like you walking in freedom and not guilt and shame. Like you not spending your wealth and resources on yourself, but on Jesus' kingdom type of change. The only way for that kind of activity to be produced in your life and for you to change deeply is getting a verdict from outside of yourself that sets you free. And you know what? You have known this all your life. Because you know, little kids will say to their parents, watch me. Look what I did. Look what I colored at school. Because we need to be seen. We need to get the approval of our parents. Right? A verdict from outside of us. Because that's how you know you're okay. That's how you know you're approved of. That's how you know you're delighted in. You know, little kids become teenagers who stop looking to their parents for that verdict. But I promise you this, they do not stop looking for that verdict. Right? They, they start looking for it in their friends. Right? How else would you know if you're cool or pretty or smart or fun or athletic or whatever? You're looking for a verdict outside of yourself. I mean, the proof is all over our lives. We need a verdict from the outside. And teenagers become adults who, you guessed it, still need that verdict from the outside. And maybe you look for it in career achievements or, or getting invited to those parties or getting invited on those vacations. How else would you know if you're enough? If you belong? If you're accepted? If you're loved? We're constantly looking for a verdict from the outside. And Christmas comes and says, you can get a verdict from the outside that will finally set you free from chasing verdicts from your parents, from your career, from your friends, from your social class, whatever. And it's a verdict, the gospel is telling you, that will change you from the inside out. When nothing can stay the same. And the way you get it is not by trying harder, but by trusting in the one who is laid in a manger a vulnerable child, a child who was born to die and take the penalty for the verdict of our darkness and our evil and our enmity and our sin in order to pronounce a verdict of peace upon us. God and sinner reconciled. You are loved and forgiven and accepted and delighted in not because of anything you have done, but because of what He did for you. And if you take that in, it'll change you. Let's pray together and then we'll sing. Father, thank You that we can be together tonight. We can pause for a moment in the midst of a very busy season to come and worship You, to sing Your praises, to hear Your Word read and preached to be reminded of the good news that Christmas is to us. That Jesus, our Savior, came into this world, was born in a manger, and lived and died in our place. That upon us, a verdict of peace might be pronounced. Father, we pray that this good news 
would change us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. Please feel free to pass it along to others who might be encouraged by this message. Also, if you have any questions or would like to know more about the church or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please feel free to browse our website at www.sbrpc.org or contact the church office directly at area code 225-768-9999. Again, thank you for listening.